for listening to our podcast today here at Word of Life. One of our values here at Word of Life is grow, and we've created a whole platform with your growth in mind. From in-depth series on worship and prayer to short and powerful articles on parenting, we have programs and content made just for you. So don't forget to subscribe at thelifeonline.cc. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right, you guys can prepare. Hallelujah. I really believe that tonight. I'm not just saying it to hype you up. But I have seen it before where God comes in and what takes decades starts to happen immediately. Because you've invited him in. So I'm going to ask that we press in tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm pressing in. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm pressing in. Hallelujah. You guys can be seated if you want. It's good to be in church tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, we give you glory, Father. Hallelujah. Come on, the music can stop, but the praises don't need to stop. Hallelujah. We give you glory, Father. We thank you, Father. How we see it now. We see it with eyes of faith. We're walking into it. Hallelujah. We will eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. Mm. As I was... Uh, as I was driving here, I live five minutes away, so it wasn't like a long drive. Uh, but I, I wrote a bunch of notes because I, I tend to over-prepare for these sessions just because you never know where the Holy Spirit's going to lead you, right? So I, I wrote a bunch, and I, I'm, I'm driving, and I had a, a, a debate on whether Michael Jordan or LeBron was the best and everything. You know how it is. It's, Jordan people get crazy and all. Oh, it's like diehards. It's like, okay, Jesus is better. And like, even then they'll debate you, right? And so I remember back in 2016 when LeBron beat the Warriors, uh, there was this motto. And, and basically what it said was all in. And that's what they said, all in. And, and they were losing 3-1 in the finals. <laughs> and, and no one had ever come back from three to one deficit, right? And so it was impossible. And so they asked the coach, it's like, you know, you've never, no one has ever come back from three to one. Like, you really think? Like, why go? Why go play? Like, you guys know you're going to lose. And he said something that was very interesting. He said, if you don't believe we're going to win, then don't get on the plane. And then he, he turned around to his whole team later and report, reportedly it said that he went and inspired his team and he said, we're gonna, we can only do one thing and it's go all in. And we know the story and then they come in and they be, uh, they be like the, the 73 and 9 warriors and God gets the glory, right? Amen. Go, go LeBron. Uh, but the, as I was driving here, five minutes, uh, that, that's the word that I heard from the Lord is go all in. Not just in in hype, not just in emotion, but I think that is the message that, that there is things that we are obedient in, but there's also a way to do things in the word of God that I don't know. My mom, very Latina, uh, she would always tell us to go clean our rooms, but there was also a way she wanted us to clean our rooms. She wanted us to clean our rooms with a good attitude. And so, because she knew that if we cleaned our rooms with a bad attitude, it just wouldn't be the same. And I remember I'd be pouting and she's like, no, 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 no. If you're going to clean the room with that attitude, change your attitude first. 
and then clean the room. Because it's not only important what you do, but it's also important how you do it. And I think we've encountered this in church so many times that we come to church, we are the church, we are obedient, but there's also a difference between what you're doing and how you are doing it. That, that, that's why David would only, wouldn't just say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, but he, say, he would say, with all my might, with all that is within you, bless his holy name. So it's not only thanking God for who he is, but he's just saying, go all in. Now there's a story that I like to share every time I think of this message. It's 2 Kings chapter 13 verses 14 to 20. 2 Kings chapter 13 verses 14 to 20. It says, when Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. So this gets awkward really quick, right? Because not only is, is the conversation pretty weird, he comes as like, a, my, my lord, my lord, the chariots and the horsemen. Like no, no one said hello. No one said how are you. No one said any. It's just straight to the point. It's like there's, there's an enemy and we need to defeat him and I need your help. And so then Elisha comes. It's like, all right, grab a bow and arrow. And then he comes behind and like hugs him too and puts his hands on his hands. And, and now they're going to do this. So that's why I say it gets awkward. It says, in verse 16, Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And then Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. And then he commanded, says, open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. And Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. For you will completely conquer the Arameans at Ephek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. What did he say? Strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground how many times? Three times. So it, so ne it never says here how many times he had to strike the ground. Let, let's read it again. Verse 18 says, then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. And then the king picked up the arrows and struck the ground three times. Nothing weird has happened. But the man of God was angry with him. So, so this is a weird story because it's like, you told me to strike the ground, so I, I strike it three times, and now you're mad. And he says, you should have struck the ground five or six times. He exclaimed, then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will only be victorious three times. And then the next verse is hilarious because then after all of this, verse number 20, then Elisha died and was buried. So there was... Like in a second, it's like, you should have done it more. Done. Dead. And then it says, then Elisha died and was buried, and groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. So the, this story is, is very interesting to me because there's a set of instructions, but there's not a lot of specificity with the instructions. In other words, it's like, you, you, you're going you're gonna to be victorious as long as you do this. So he's like, okay. So he goes and he does the bare minimum three times. Bop, bop, bop. And then Elijah just gets mad. He's like, why? Why did he only do it three times? He could have done it five or six times. Now, if you're like me, you would say, well, if you would have only told me to hit it five or six times, I would have done it five or six times. You would have told me ten times, I would have done it ten times. But all you did was tell me, strike the ground. 
I believe in the Bible there's a lot of promises, but there's also a lot of instructions that they never tell you how to do them because the how is up to you. And the how you do it expresses how much you really believe. So, so the Bible says, pray without ceasing. We know the Bible says that. But how many have ceased in their prayer? That, that's tapping the ground three times. We pray. I pray. I pray at least three times a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right? I, I know you do too. We, we, we pray. It says, it says to always be joyful. Anyway, I, I'm trying. I'm hitting the ground three times. Listen, I try to be a happy person. It says not to quench the spirit. Listen, I get up on my tongues a, a, a lot. I like to pray in tongues. I don't want to quench the spirit. But I feel that sometimes when we, when we get instruction from the Lord, we're trying to do the bare minimum when what God wants us to do is to go all in. He wants us to go all in in the sense of if you said to do it, I'm going to do it until you tell me to stop. See, that's why Isaiah 119, it says, if you are willing and able, you will eat of the good of the land. So you, a lot of us are obedient and we're doing what we need to do. I mean, how many of us know we're good people, right? Look at your neighbors and think, I'm good people. I'm a, you know, it could be worse, you know. None of us here are like doing stuff that we're at church, fondering at 6 p.m. I mean, we're, 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 we're some of the deep sheep right now. And, and yet, I feel that sometimes we're here out of obedience, but are we willing? Are we willing to press in and to go all in until the next instruction is stop or do whatever? See, because we're trying to do the bare minimum and we're just tapping the ground three times with our prosperity, right? We're, we're tapping the ground three times with our love walk. We're doing the bare minimum. Like, I forgave him, but you haven't texted him since, right? Like, but I, 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 I love him, but you haven't been with them for five years and their family. It's your mom. I don't know. All I'm saying is that God has given you the arrow of victory. And it's the word of God. And he's never going to let it, he's never going to tell you how much you have to do it. But I learned one thing with this story, and that is that it is better to overdo it than to try to find the minimum amount. See, and sometimes I understand that we're trying sometimes to see, okay, so how much do you want me to pray, right? If you're like me, I'll pray five more minutes and then I'll look up to see nothing more, okay, and I keep doing it. And that's not the mentality because when we're doing what God has called us to do, we're in close proximity with him. And what we fail to realize sometimes is that God is not in it so that we can be obedient. God wants us to be in it so that we can be with him. That's the whole premise of everything that he does, that when he tore the veil and then he says in his word in Hebrews, boldly approach the throne. You know, don't just come the bare minimum. Come with all that you have. Abide in me with all that you are. Come to me as much as you can. You know, stay in your presence, in my presence as much as you can. You're like, but what if it's weird? Yeah, but what if you win? Yeah, yeah, but but what if it's too much? Yeah, but what if the miracle of acceleration happens in your life and now you have a testimony that's more than I am a Christian, a mighty, mighty Christian? Right? Anyone remember that song? I got the shield of faith. That's like righteous breastplate. That's like, I'm I'm very Christian. I grew up in in, in the household, so that's all I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
So the how is just as important as the what. Ephesians 6, 18. This is the message translation. I don't usually read the message translation, but I kind of like this, <laughs> this translation, specifically with this verse, because it shows the intent of the writer. It says, pray hard and, all right, can you read it? it pray hard and, let's say it again, pray hard and. So, so you, you know, I mean, I'm all about efficiency, and I'm all about, you know, what's the best type of prayer that I can do so it makes it happen, makes, you know, God snap his fingers as quick as possible because I know he can. But again, God is not in it just to be snapping his fingers and you to get what you want. God is in it for the communion. That he wants to bless you. And we see this principle from Genesis chapter 1. When, when, he's, when, when he goes down to visit Adam and Eve, he wants to bless them, but he wants to be with them. And it's the same thing with us. God doesn't just want to see you blessed. He does want to see you. And, and that is more important to see you than to bless you. And don't get me wrong. He wants to bless you big. But he wants to be with you. And he wants you to pursue his presence all in. So there is a way to pray. And it's praying hard. And it's praying. And I'm not saying we're going to go for three hours tonight. But, uh, but like maybe two. No. Two and a half. No, but what, what I do want is for us, whenever we do press in, to press in with all that you are. The word of God says that when we love God, we love him with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our strength, Right? And I understand that strengths are different, minds are different, souls are different. So I'm not saying you worship with all my strength, right? I'm not saying you worship with all my energy. I'm not saying you, you pray with all my soul. No, do it with all that you are. But I know that there's more to you than just three songs, Right? I know that there's just more to you than just one, say, one sermon on a Sunday and that's it. I, I know that you have more in you that you can apply in your relationship with God. That we do go all in. Because if you don't believe this, like, like quoting again the, the uh, Cavaliers coach, he said, if you don't believe we're going to win, if you don't believe that, that we can do this, then why come at all? Right? Well, don't get on the plane. I'm not saying leave now, there's the door. No, for the, stay, please. But what I am saying is Christianity, it, it, more than a moment, is a lifestyle. It's a relationship with God who is alive. It's a relationship with the Holy Spirit who's constantly speaking, who's constantly moving. And if we recognize him, the word of God says in Proverbs chapter 3, that if we recognize him in all our ways, he makes our path straight. See, every time the Holy Spirit moves, things start to happen. Like I said, in the beginning, the Holy Spirit was moving and everything that you know was created. So when Jesus started to move, you know, the grave, the, 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 the rock was rolled away because the Holy Spirit started to move. Every time the Holy Spirit moves and every time we access this power, things start to happen. And I, I was speaking at Highland Colony this morning and one of my pet peeves personally it has been that I'd, I like to tell about other people's testimonies. But my problem has always been like, why do I always have to talk about someone else's testimony? Why can't I talk about my testimony? 
And I remember I was asking my dad once, I was like, Dad, you know, I mean, we talk about all these guys, but, but I want the same. I, 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 I want to be included in that, not because I, I need to write the book right after, but because I want it to be real in my life. And he said, John David, because he called me by both my names, he said, he, he said, sometimes we want the results of Christ without living the life of Christ. Sometimes, you know, we, we want the water to turn into wine immediately. And, and we want, you know, the blessing. We want to walk on the water. And we want the bread and the fish to multiply. But what about waking up early before anyone else was awake to pursue his presence? Well, well what about when everyone was falling asleep and he was still praying? Well, well, what about these moments where he's like, you guys go ahead. I'm going to stay in the presence of God. See, it is the people that stayed and pursued presence that are actually in the Bible. And no, no attack against Apollos or all these other people. But you hear about these people and you hear that they were good, but you don't hear about longevity in their ministry. But you hear Paul and Paul was in jail, Acts chapter 16. He had it bad and yet he was still in the midnight hour pursuing presence. That even at his worst, he still had one purpose in his life. No matter where he was at, he was going to look for presence. He was going to pursue presence over promises. He wanted the presence of God with all his might whether it was in jail whether it was in a boat which let's be honest Paul was the worst at choosing boats every boat he chose I mean literally it's like next time Paul I'll choose the boat right let's get an Uber because your your choice in boats is, is kind of bad but even through all of this, when he was, uh, uh, how do you say naufragado? Uh, when he was shipwrecked, right? And he was still praising God. Everyone was like, what? And I was like, that was, that was in tongues. That was Spanish. It's close, though. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> Isaiah 119, if ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Romans chapter 12, verses 11 to 13. It says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in the flame. Short, shortest article ever. How to avoid burnout. It says, keep yourselves fueled in the flame. Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled with the Spirit. And, and the context is be continually filled. Because we live in a world that's going to try to suck you dry. Constantly, Right? You might live with a person that's trying to suck you dry. You might work with people who we need to be continually filled. It says be being filled with the Spirit. And then Romans 12, what we're reading, it says don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in the flame. So it doesn't say let God fuel you and keep you aflame. This is something that we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be fueling ourselves and then fanning the flame it's kind of what Paul told Timothy right it's to stir himself up continually this is not something that God does for you again God is telling us this is the arrow now you strike the ground the question would be how many times are you going to strike the ground how many times are you going to stir yourself up in your most holy faith how many times are you going to keep yourself fueled in the flame to avoid burnout it says be alert servants of the master cheerfully expectant see when we know God when we know who he is there's an expectation that is formed see faith is not hard or having faith in God is not hard when you've been in his presence when you know who he is I, I always give this illustration in, in Bogota where we where I come from 
There's a road that is pretty scary. It's called La Decima, the 10th road. And it is famously known for robbers and being robbed, pickpocketed every time. Like you don't walk through this road because there's just, you're going to get robbed. It's just the law of the land. If you walk through that street, something is going to happen. So you never find yourself crossing La Decima, you know, like, like this, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to, I, I want to see something happen. No, like you're, you're running across unless you're with your cousins who are master champions in taekwondo and kung fu, right? And I don't know, Shaolin master, and, and they're all there around with you. I'm going to walk as slow as possible. Not because something has changed with me, but I know what I'm surrounded with. Right, and because I know who I'm surrounded with, I, I, it changes the whole the, the the whole way I see things. The road hasn't changed, the pickpockets haven't changed, the robbers haven't changed. But what has changed is my perspective and who I am with. And now that I realize that I am with people that can defend me, I'm going to take it slow. It's the same thing when you know who your God is. That's why the, the word of God is continually asks us to boldly approach his throne, that we might see his face, that we might know him. That's why Paul says, I consider it all trash in order to know him and the power of his resurrection. That the more I know who God is in my life, the more my life starts to change. Not because of who I am, but because of who is with me. So that when we are cheerfully expectant, which is what Romans 12 says, it's because we know who we are with. That because we know that we are with the God that has never failed, that we are with the God that has never lost a battle, that we are with the God, you know, that is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. We are, the, we are with the creator of the universe. When we are with him, then there is an expectation. Something good is about to happen. Not because something has changed with me, but I know who I am with. So when I, so we have two grandmas, and we love both of them, but one of them is more generous than the other. And so there's an expectation when we are with one grandma, because she's the grandma with the checkbook, right? I know, praise God for the grandmas with the checkbooks, right? Because, you know, and they act like, they act like they're the mafia when they give you the check. Has that happened with you? Like, I don't know why they don't just give you the check. They're like, don't tell anyone. And you're like, is this, is this drug money? No, like, is this a pension? What is that, right? But when we, when we go visit this grandma, there's an expectation because we know how generous she is. When, when you approach the throne, again, you can be cheerfully expectant because you know who he is. You know the things that he wants to do. Even you don't, might not know specifically, but you know something good is going to happen. Like when you approach grandma's house, you know at least there's going to be food. Like something good is about to happen. And maybe there's a check and there's not always a check. But I'm always expectant when I go visit grandma because I know good things happen at grandma's house. Well, the word of God says that we being evil, if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more does a God who is not evil, who loves you, who gave his life for you, who doesn't die to see you, he literally died to be able to see you. How much more does he want to bless you when you approach? So when the Bible says to be cheerfully expectant, it's an easy thing to do. But again, God is giving us the arrow. It says, be cheerfully expectant. And then it says, don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. 
says, don't quit in hard times, pray all the harder. As I was meditating this morning, because this is Pentecost Sunday, so we're celebrating, you know, the, the Sunday where the Holy Spirit came and literally started the church. And before Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says, don't go anywhere until you are endued with power, until the Holy Spirit comes, and then you can be witnesses all over. And it was amazing. So there's 120 up in the upper room, and then it says that the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind and came upon them, you know, like tongues of fire, and it was crazy. And then Peter came out and started the church. 3,000 people were saved. Amazing. And so as I'm, I'm meditating about Pentecost Sunday and how that's why we're called Pentecostals, it's just because we believe in the God of Pentecost. We believe in the God that gave us the Holy Spirit so that he can be our guide, so he can be our helper, so that he can be our counselor. He can be the paraclete, right? He, he, he's, the, he's the gift of God for us as Christians. Salvation is for those that aren't Christians. And then the Holy Spirit is the gift of God for those that are. Right, And we are called to live with him, with the Holy Spirit. So I'm meditating this, and I, I start to think about the primitive church, the, the church that's found in Acts. And every big moment that this church has is because of the Holy Spirit. And we think, you know, church growth, church things happen because of programs and stuff, and God blesses programs, God blesses everything. But there is a leading of the Holy Spirit that needs to happen in our lives. That even when we do go through hard times, that's why we have the helper. That's why, and so Acts chapter 4, one of my favorite stories of the Bible, they're doing what's right. You know, they're called to be witnesses. And because they're called to be witnesses, they end up in jail. Have you ever gotten in trouble for doing the right thing? Or, or, or you're trying to be a better Christian and because of it, problems start to happen? Well, you're, you're in good company. You're right up in there with, you know, Peter, Silas, Paul, all these people. And they go through all these things, and there's a lot that we can unpack, and so we're not going to go there. But what I like is that at the end of Acts chapter 4, they go back to their own community, and they tell them this is what happened. So we were preaching, we got in trouble, but then God, you know, took us out. And so, again, we praise God. So then they started to pray. And their prayer is something that really gets to me. Because it says in Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30, it says, And now, Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I find it weird that they're not praying for the problems to be solved. They're praying for more boldness in spite of the problems. They started to realize, and I think they knew something that sometimes we forget, is that the, the, the life that God has called us is not a life absent of problems. It, it's a life filled with his presence. That they noticed that there was problems, and so they were like, God, we need more of you. They, were, they weren't praying the problems out. They were praying the presence in. That they're like, Father, there's a lot of problems, so we need more of you. Father, there's a lot of problems, so we're going to need more miraculous signs and wonders. We're going to need you to stretch out your hand. You know, not to solve our problems. We need to stretch out your hand so that we can be blessed in the midst of our problems. And this is not only the primitive church. That's what, that's what King David knew. He said that, that, that he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That the enemies were still there. 
The enemies have not moved. The enemies have not run away in fear. They were still there. But David knew that he can still bask in the presence and in the promise in the middle of his enemies because of who he was with. That's why he didn't pray the he didn't pray the valley of the shadow of death out. He just gave thanks because he could walk right through it because God was with him. See, there's a difference between people that just want a problem-free life, and there's a difference between people that want a presence-filled life. That it doesn't matter how many problems there are, you have his presence. Let me tell you today, as we invite him in, as we ask for more of his presence. Maybe problems don't solve themselves. Maybe, you, you know, there's still enemies all around you. But it doesn't mean you don't get to be cheerfully expected. Because in the midst of it all, God has prepared a table before us. In the presence of our enemies. And so surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That we might dwell. That we might abide. That we might be about his presence all the days of our life. Don't, don't miss this. Just because we, we we're trying to like get to the hype moment again. But don't miss this principle. This is the arrow. Look for my presence. This is the arrow. Boldly approach the throne. This is the arrow. I'm not going to make it weird like Elisha and put my hand on your hand. But I am giving you the arrow. It's like what we need is more presence. We don't need less problems. We need more presence. We, we, we don't need less attacks. We need more of miracles, signs, wonders in our life today. This is the arrow. The question is, how much are you going to strike the ground? Because we could do the bare minimum and be like, all right, we're going to praise him that one song that's coming up, right? And they're coming, so we'll, we'll praise him. I'll give him all. And, and that's fine. I, I don't know what, what a lot means for you. But what I do know is that today God is giving us a word and he's saying all in. I'm giving you the arrow, go all in. What does all in mean to you? Like, it doesn't mean you have to be a crazy Colombian. doesn't mean, what if you're worse? What if you're worse than a Colombian, right? I mean, I don't, don't let me limit you. <laughs> I remember watching YouTube a, a, a long time ago. Yeah, I, I forget what his name is. It's a uh, motivational speaker. He's talking about success. And I always remember this, this, this story that, that he, was, he was in this school. I forget what his name, the hip-hop preacher or something like that. I forget what his name is. Uh, but he starts, he starts talking about the story of a guru of business. And, and this guy who was like this entrepreneur wanted to know how to be successful in business. So he calls up this guy. And, he, and the guy was like, so you want to be successful in business? Well, meet me tomorrow and, and, we'll, and we'll, see you, we'll see you by the lake. So the, this, this guy comes in and he's all dressed up. He's about to meet the guru of success, right, of business. So he comes up to him and the, the, this, the, the guru, like, meets him the next day and they're at this lake. He's like, all right, walk with me into the lake. So the, this guy kind of gets irritated because, you know, we you could have let me know and I would have brought shorts instead of a full three-piece suit. But okay, let's go for success. There has to be something here. So he starts walking in the lake. It says that he goes knee deep and he keeps on walking until finally the water is like up to here. And then all of a sudden the, the, the guru grabs him and then starts to put him underwater. And he puts him underwater for, for quite a bit and, you know, bubbles start forming and he, he can't go out. And so he thinks he's about to die and he can't breathe anymore. And so he's fighting hard, he's fighting long. And then all of a sudden he lets him go and he goes up to the surface and... <gasps> 
and breathes in again. I always remember that story because I'm like, oh my gosh. And then he says something that has always stuck with me. He says, when you want success as much as you want to breathe, that is when you're going to be successful. And I remember because I was watching YouTube, and this doesn't always happen. You know, God doesn't speak through every YouTube video that I watch. But through this way, it's like when you want my presence as much as you want to breathe, when you want me as much as you want the air that you breathe, when you look for me as much as that guy was looking for the surface, that is when success, true success, starts to happen. That is when the joy that, that is unspeakable and full of glory starts to happen. When, when you pursue his presence as much as you want to breathe. William Borden, and I'm going to finish with this. William Borden, one of my favorite missionaries. And I, every time I get the chance to talk about this dude, I talk about this dude. Because he's uh, the representation and the definition for me of going all in. So he's this missionary known for going to China. And, you know, have you ever eaten like the board and cheese things? You know, so it's like his family. <laughs> and when he was 18, he, um, his dad bought him like tickets to go all around the world. And so as he's traveling all around the world, he gets a heart for missions. And so he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a missionary. So before he, he goes into missions, um, he has this Bible, and he makes a decision right there and then when he's 18 to be a missionary. He writes in his Bible, no reserves. I'm just going to go all out. I, I want to be a missionary. He does go end up going to the university first. And if I'm not mistaken, it's Princeton University where he's going to. Starts a Bible study, gets over 500 kids to go to his Bible study while he's at Princeton. It's Ivy League. It's, it's pretty intense. And then when, when he graduates, he gets a, a bunch of job offers. And everyone starts offering the best jobs ever. I mean, he's got the profile of a successful person. But he, he had promised himself, no reserves. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the life and calling that God has for my life. So, uh, oh, he went to Yale. I'm sorry, not Princeton, Yale. So he turned down every job that he, uh, that he was offered. And then he wrote in his Bible, no return. Like, I've made a decision to live a life of no reserves, and I have made up my mind of no return. I'm going to do what he called me to do. So they, he takes the time to, to study the language. It's a very specific group in China that actually spoke Arab. It, it's, it's interesting, the story. And at the age of 25, he ends up getting meningitis, and he dies. And so everyone was like, okay, see, that's why I don't follow God all in, right? Because you get meningitis at 25. And, and so they, they bring him back and they bring his Bible back. And, and they, they open up his Bible to where he had written no reserves, no return. And the third thing that he had written right before he died was no regrets. That he knew, and that, that, that was his mentality, that he was going to go all in. No reserves, no return, no regrets. That we have one life that we are called to live here, and it's all in for him. That, that, that we have one life that when we get to heaven, God's not going to be asking us, you know, hey, how our bank account looks or what. And all that stuff is good. Don't, don't, I feel like I sometimes attack that too much, and I'm not trying to attack it. But, but God has called you with a purpose. And that purpose is found in his presence. You know, it's not found in the success that this world offers. It's not found in, in anything that this world offers. It's found in that arrow that God is giving us today. Boldly approach my throne. 
And I hope that as we leave today and as we start to sing and we start to, start to approach right now, that you remember this, that God is giving you an arrow today. And he's not telling you how many times to strike the ground. And from experience, I can tell you that maybe the best way to approach this whole scene is to not stop until he tells you to stop. That the things of God, the best way to approach anything that he has called you to do is to go all in. And it's better for God to stop you than for God to be pushing you. It's better for God to be like, okay, you know, you're over praying. Stop, right? I've never heard of a person that has gotten to that point where he gets to heaven and God's like, oh man, you again. Like you're always here. So at least, because we know of uh, the other side of people that get to heaven and angels are like, who are you? Like, saved by grace, of course. Because <laughs> we have never seen you up in here, right? So we know how that life is. Let, let, let's, try to, let's try to do the other side, right? Let, let, let's try to be those that approach his throne with all that we are. That we're like David, where we approach and, and with all that is within us, we bless his holy name. That, that even when the emotion is not there, we stir ourselves up in our most holy faith. And we remind ourselves of how good God has been. That, that, that we stir ourselves up to that moment again where we start striking the ground with all that we have. And that we're not stopping until someone tells us to stop. Because we know what God has called us to do. It's boldly approach. No reserves. No return. No regrets. We go all in. No reserves, no return, no regrets. We give it all we got. No reserves, no return, no regrets. That when we get to heaven, it's like good, good when we get to heaven and we hear the voice of God say, Well done, good and successful servant, good and rich servant, good and good looking servant. Right? It's good and faithful that you were given you were given this arrow and you were faithful with it. I mean that arrow is broken with the months like the amount of striking you've done. That every moment that you had to pray and pursue, you prayed and pursued. Every moment you got to approach, you were you were first you were first in line. I'm not just saying Fondren nights, but in general, and when you're in the car, you're approaching his throne. No reserves, no regrets. I question sometimes if people like pass me by in the car because that's where I approach the most is when I'm in the car. And, and I'm a weeper, not by choice. I'm a weeper like by creation. So when I get into it and I'm like praying and I start like, oh, Father, you're just so good. And I'm crying and I see people. And I'm like, I'm okay, I swear. It's just it's no regrets. But when Carolina and I made the decision to go all in, I, I, I can't promise you that there hasn't been any problems or there hasn't been any hard times. I can promise you that there are no regrets in our life. That every time God tells us, go all in, whether that's in our love walk, whether that's in our finances, whether that's in our obedience, whatever that's in, I pray that today and from now on you go all in so what i want us to do right now is i want us to just to take the time and 
I, I can't think of the exact word. I know it in Spanish, but to, to permanecer, to abide. See, thank you. Uh, to abide in His presence. And, and abide has no time limit. So I know if you got to go, you got to go, and that's fine. You know, His presence goes with you, so that's fine. But let's take the time tonight and abide. Let, let's try to strike that up again in our life. Sometimes we're so hurried with the things of life that we forget that we are created to spend time with the God of life. You know, we're always looking for that next thing and that next thing will come in its own time. But we're meant to boldly approach. So whether that is standing up or sitting down, however you feel comfortable doing it, as long as you do it, I'm giving you the chance today. God has given us the arrow. I'm giving you the ground and the time to do it. And I pray that you strike the ground today and approach his presence. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity that you've given us, Father, to not only be obedient, but we want to let you know that we are willing. We are willing to pursue your presence. We are willing to go all in. We are willing to go all out. We, 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 we tell and we speak to ourselves today just like David did. We tell our soul to bless your name. That all that is within me, bless your holy name, Father. And, and I want to take the time today, Father, to, to bless you. And I thank you, Father, because you are the one that heals us. You are the one that blesses us. You are the one that takes us out of problems and into what you have promised. I thank you, Father, because you are our shepherd. I thank you, Father, because you are our creator. I thank you, Father, today. Come on, take the time and thank him for who he is in your life. Don't let me approach for you because that I can't approach for you. I ask that you approach and go all in. Go all in today. Father God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, because you have made access to the Father. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us in this truth that we might know you more, Father, and the power of your resurrection, that we might understand, Father, that there is a call, that there are, there is an inheritance, that there is power inside of us, Father. But above everything else, that there is you in our life and that you will never leave us or forsake us. So, Father, today we don't ask to decrease our problems. We ask that you increase your presence in our life. That your voice be real in our life. That your voice be loud in our life. Father, we ask for more of you today. That you do in our life what only you can do. That, there can, that we can be a testimony, Father, of how good you are in our life. That our life be a testimony that where we are at and what we've achieved is only because of your goodness and your grace. That your mercy is forevermore. That your grace and mercy endures forevermore. And we thank you, Father, because it's not because of what we've done, but it's because of who you are. That we are here today thanking you, Father, praising you, Father. So we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, Father. 
together we join in with the angels of heaven we join in with the witnesses of heaven and we give you glory and we give you honor and we praise the lamb and we praise you father because you are the lamb that was slain but you are also victorious sitting at the right hand of the father we thank you and we bless you we thank you for the blood of jesus we thank you for the cross we thank you for the holy spirit we thank you because of these things greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world we are more than conquerors in christ jesus so we bless you and we thank you father hallelujah come on strike the ground today strike the ground with your voice strike the ground with your obedience of approaching him today come on with all that is within you bless his holy name come on everything that you are will have loved the lord your god with all your heart all your mind all your soul all your strength give him all that you are no reserves come on no return but we're different from now on no regrets we pursue presence with all that we are hallelujah